0: night fell. Businesses of the day had closed at this hour. The hallway was long and dimly lit, with golden walls, and white tile flooring, evoking complete sterility. As I went up, I put my hand inside my jacket and touched the butt of the piece I had strapped on before leaving HQ. The cold feel of the gun butt gave me a little comfort, but not much. After what seemed an age, the elevator came to a stop and the doors slid back. My wristwatch showed me that it was 11.32 PM. Facing me was a small lobby stacked with metallic cases and waiting, a cigarette hanging from his lips, was the character Pablo had told me about. He was a clean-cut hunk of humanity, wearing a black coat and blue jeans. His character was something Abel Mutua would have been proud to have added to his stories. Omar Billy. I stepped out of the elevator and plastic smiled at him. Let's have the dough, man, he said. I produced the package and offered it to him. His face hardened. What's this? Pabo said full. Pabo also said you weren't to be trusted, man, I said. Half now, half later. You go beyond that door and you walk into trouble, he said, putting the package hurriedly into his hip pocket. And you're the guy who is going to keep me out of trouble, man, I said. What do you think you're getting a cut for? The guy hesitated. I could see he didn't like this setup, but he wanted the other half. I had idea greed would win, and it did. He looked left, right, and left again and dimmed his embassy. He looked at me up down and went through the doorway. I gave him a few seconds start, and then I went after him. We went down a passage to another door and into a large lounge that was really something. It was the most elaborately equipped bar I have ever been in. Half the room had a roof and overhead I could see the stars. There was a terrace overlooking the city. There was seating for about 20 people, VIPs. Palm trees grew in enormous tubs. Flowering creepers covered the roof and the walls with a red, pink and orange blossoms. Here, beers are priced at 500 bob. For 500 bob you'd expect a ticket to heaven and a VIP backstage pass to Angel Gabriel's rehearsals. You'd expect receipt to come with a plot in Kamulu and a pro box with custom rims, a Sony stereo and probably a village girl to sponsor with saloon allowances and and bitonchapa na pale. Iek would call a commission to inquire about your newfound wealth and establish any connections with Kemsa or NYS. But here you don't pay for the beer, you pay to have pictures and say you're there on Facebook. It's like social currency. I don't know what the rate on that is but I'm guessing it's way too higher than a dollar. I joined Billy by one of the couches. The offices are through there, he said, pointing to a door behind the bar. Then a door to my left opened, and a fat man wearing those flower shirts came into the bar. His eyes moved to us and the muscles of his face, under their covering of fat, tightened. It was Malik. Billy turned to him, this chap wants to talk to you. I gave him a servile smile. Could you spare me a moment of your time, Mr. Malik? I'm Kabuki, the Koopa Shipping Company," I said. As Malik moved over to me, I produced the trade card and laid it on the table. He picked it up with his fat fingers and studied it, his face was as expressionless as toilet bowls. The direct gaze of his extraordinary red eyes could instill chills that raced inexplicably up the spine. I could smell the vodka with which he had soaked his liver, it wasn't a particularly pleasant smell. Having read the card, He turned it on its edge and began to tap with it on the counter while he looked me over. We have no account with you people, he said. That's something we want to put right, Mr. Malik. We have several lines that would interest you. I've brought a sample of our very special for you to try. His black eyes moved to Billy. How did he get in here? He asked. The guy shrugged his shoulders. I was here and he just walked in and asked for you. Did I do wrong? I asked. I don't see any visitors without an appointment. However, after a moment for my brain to register his comment, I gave him a taken-aback look. Wait, I mumbled, I'm sorry Mr. Malik. Maybe you could give me a date for tomorrow. I put the parcel on the counter. If you could look at this in the meantime, we might be able to talk business tomorrow. We'll talk business now, a voice said behind me. Both Billy and Malik became as rigid as Mboya and Kamathi's statues in the streets of Nairobi. Okay, I admit my heart did a backflip. I furrowed my brows, turning behind me to see a standing brown guy in a faultless Kanzu, standing about 20 feet from us. His height of six feet two was amplified by his face of an eagle, narrow with a sharp nose, a thin mouth and restless eyes behind glasses. Bad news shone from his face. I was pretty certain this was the real deal, These other two wouldn't be behaving as if they were in the presence of a real hot shot unless he was. He moved up to us, and held out the trade card Malik was holding. Malik gave it to him. He stared at it, then with no change of expression, he bent it in two and flicked it behind the counter and pointed to the brown paper parcel on the counter. We. Malik hurriedly stripped the wrapping of the parcel and laid it on the counter so he could read the label. He read it, and then he turned his sleepy eyes on me. I said no to this a month ago, he said. Don't you know what no means? Why, I'm sorry, I said. I'm new to this territory. I didn't know someone had shown it to you before. Well, you know now. Get out and stay out. Shh. Billy shushed me, not bothering to even look at me. Why, sure. I'm sorry. I made out to be pretty confused. Maybe if I leave the sample. It's pretty special, sir. We could supply it on very favorable terms, I insisted. Shh. Billy repeated this time with greater demand. For months now I had rubbed shoulders with thugs like him. So long as they didn't get behind me, I wasn't all that scared of them. But I let him think I was because you cannot lose if you do not play. I stepped away from the counter and turned. I didn't know I was hungry till I smelled some fried chicken somewhere. I hadn't taken six steps when I became aware that three men in tuxedos had appeared. They stood in a semicircle, blocking my way out Two of them I had never seen before They were big and puffy like Biggie Smalls See what I did there, their faces were hard and expressionless Surinamu The third guy, standing between them, a snarling grin on his broken face, made me feel suddenly a little weak at the knees It was Bob Remember Bob from the Titanic under quarantine, for a long moment, Bob and I stared at each other His tongue came out and went over his lips, the way a snake flicks out its tongue before it strikes. Hello, Mike, he said softly. I hadn't reckoned on being bounced by Bob. I had been prepared to be roughed up a little and shoot out my piece if need between a rock and a hard situation. But having Bob in it as well hadn't come into my calculations. I did some rapid thinking. I moved sideways so I could see Malik while at the same time I could watch Bob. The Somali guy asked, in his flat, Bored voice, Ikonini, To mean, what's up? His name is Mike, Bob said. He's that Pablo's crony? The Kanzu guy stared at me, his eyes completely impersonal, then walked around the bar and made for the door leading into the offices. There he paused, looking at Bob. Get him out of here. They were five against one, six if Billy would consider joining in, and that seemed to me over long odds. I equalized the situation by sliding my hand inside my jacket and throwing out my piece. Easy, easy guys, I said, and let the gun sight swing in a semicircle to cover Bob, Billy, Malik and the Kanzu guy. Don't let us have any rough ridding or there could be some damage around here. Malik who was leaving the scene came to an abrupt stop, his hand on the doorknob as if he walked into a brick wall, then rubbed his fat nose. He stared at the gun as if it were the last thing he expected to see that night. The two muscle men remained motionless. They were professional, and they were quick to realize I would shoot if I were crowded because at this point, I was putting aside my qualifications and acting like a dropout. Malik moved back to the counter and leaned against it. I told you to get out, didn't I? He said. Well, get out. Keep your caverns out of my way and I will. I said, nodding at Bob whose face was beginning to grow shiny with sweat. Also, I'd like a souvenir to take away, get me some of that premium scotch for me and my cronies. Malik looked at me as if he thought I was crazy, but he went over to the counter and produced three one liter bottles of Johnny Walker. Then the lights went out. KPLC, beray. My heart lurched steadying my breath. My arms trembled as I scanned the dark room to regain my grip on reality. Taken aback by how quickly we shifted from nothing to something I gathered my confidence and did my best to casually stay alive and keep walking Bad dreams, Calligraph Jones